Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are delighted that you're with us today. We've got another great episode. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have with us Eric Johnson with the Ministry Mormonism Research Ministry out of Sandy, Utah. This is part three with Eric. And if you haven't um, listened to one or two, please go back and do that. He addressed why the Bible's reliable. He addressed the nature of God, talked a little bit about the Trinity. And now, Eric, welcome back. We want to jump in and talk about this Jesus character as part of this triune God. Um, talk to us about what Mormons tell you about Jesus. Well, the, the idea that Mormons do believe in Jesus, and that's what they like to point to their name badge when they're missionaries, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But the question is, which Jesus are we talking about? Is it the Jesus of the Bible, or is it the Jesus uh, of, uh, of creation, of a man's uh, opinion? And I, I'm going to say the latter when it comes to who Jesus is. We have to understand that um, Jesus in Christianity is a very special person, obviously, because we put all of our faith in the person of Jesus. And in the yes. book, I list four areas of the person of Jesus. Number one, the origination of Jesus. He is eternal God. I mean, that's not the God, that's not the Jesus of Mormonism who says that he was created as a God, but he is not the God whom we can worship, we can pray to. Uh, so that's number one I talk about. And I show in chart quotes from the from Mormon leaders versus what the Bible teaches. Second, the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus being in very nature, God became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 says that. Uh, and, and in fact, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was God in the very beginning, and he never lost his deity, but he ends up becoming a man so that he might be able to come and be among his people. Number three, the personhood of Jesus. He's both God and man. That goes right into what I was just saying. Jesus is fully God, and he's fully man. Uh, he's not 50% yes. of each, complete. Uh, God and man. And then finally, uh, the purpose of Jesus, he sacrificed himself to save sinners. And I think this is the crucial part, the difference, because for the Christian, we put our complete faith in Jesus to save us. And we don't believe it's based on any good that we did. It's not based on any works. It's based on what we call imputation. Imputation is God crediting us with righteousness that we did not deserve but it's jesus who paid the price on the cross he died in my place he was perfect i don't need a mediator who's a latter-day saint prophet the prophet and their apostles we have one mediator between god and man the man jesus christ so so we have the idea that jesus died on the cross so that i might be able to have uh, uh eternal life latter-day saints they do believe in grace they do believe in the atonement. They talk about those all the time. And so they'll say, well, we believe we're saved by grace. We believe we're saved by the atonement. But you always have to ask, what do you mean when you say saved? Does that mean you get to go to the celestial kingdom because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his atonement and, uh, and because of the grace that he gives? Well, if you look at Mormon teaching, 
No, he just paved the way for you to go to one of three kingdoms of glory. So, Eric, when the Adams Road Ministry decided that their motto was Jesus is enough, right? Jesus is the way, the truth. Without Jesus, you're not, you're not making your way to heaven. Jesus is the door. He's the way. When we decided that as our ministry, Adams Road did as their ministry motto, I tweeted it out. And within seconds, the official Mormon church um, Twitter account tweeted right back to me, you, all in caps, are enough, period. I had tweeted out, Jesus is enough, period. That is exactly what you just described, the idea that without your works, you're not getting anywhere. All Jesus does is open that door so that you might have the opportunity to work your way to decide which heaven you're going to go to because of how righteous you and how perfect you can make yourself be, right? In fact, I always use the term eternal life when talking with Mormons because that equates to exaltation Mm -hmm. and that equates to working your way to the highest heaven takes a lot of works to get their very different gospel. Yeah, I I believe that we are saved by works, but they're not my own because I'm fallible. I don't have perfect works, but who does? Jesus. See, when you, at the beginning of the show, talking about the difference between our Jesus and the LDS Jesus, the Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians 11, 4. It says it's possible to have a false Jesus. One of the things I used to do was take my students to, uh, these were uh, Christian high students, uh, to different religious venues. I took them to the Mormon Battalion Center in San Diego. I took them to the Hare Krishna temple. I took them to the Islamic uh, mosque. I took them to a Jewish synagogue. I took them to these different places. And one of the things that I wanted the students to ask, I always said, ask about Jesus. And they all had a good thing to say about Jesus. Oh, the Hare Mm -hmm. Krishnas would say he was a great guru. Oh, the Muslim would say, the Imam would say, oh, he was a great prophet. Uh, the Mormons would say, of course, Jesus is in our church's name. Uh, all of these groups, even the Jewish rabbi, good friend of mine, even the Jewish rabbi would say Jesus was a good moral man. Well, C.S. Lewis said you can't say Jesus is a good moral man and not, you know, he's either Lord, liar, or lunatic, but uh, he's just not a good moral man. You have to make a choice about Jesus. And unfortunately, Jesus is is not enough in Mormonism for them to be able to receive him and trust in him and not trust in their own works. But Mormonism is trusting in what you do, not based on what Jesus did. And trusting in an organization, right? That's the other thing that when people leave Mormonism, they don't realize they don't have to go to another organization full of rules and regulations. Their salvation is in Christ alone. These organizations have their purposes, right? For fellowship, for worship, for teaching, for learning, for various things. But your salvation is through Christ alone. So Eric, your book is Introducing Christianity to Mormons. So with all this really disconnect uh, between the Mormons understanding of who Jesus is, what he's done, what his role is in their salvation, because we want to be fair and say Mormons do believe Jesus plays an important role in their salvation. In mm-hmm. Without Jesus, they couldn't even hope to make it because they wouldn't even be resurrected. Um, so he definitely opens the door. He does provide um, some help along the way, but it's not the same as the Christian understanding that everything about us is tied to Jesus and to our organic connection to Jesus. Jesus saying, 
I'm the vine, you're the branches, unless you're organically connected to me, unless your life is totally dependent on me, you can't do anything. So my, so my question is, how then do Christians kind of bridge this gap and help Mormons get this understanding? How do they introduce the Christian Jesus to Mormons so they, one, see the difference and so they're drawn to the incredible attractiveness of Jesus? Because that's what we find in the Gospels. People are attracted to him. They are drawn to him magnetically um, because of who he is. So how have you found that, that Christians can do that? Well, I think uh, the book of John just seems to really lay out. Jesus will have the I am sayings in there. He will, he will say, come on to me, those who are weary. I mean, those are the kinds of things that Jesus says. I think having them read the, the a gospel of John, and maybe if they're willing to do that with you, you know, that, let's, let's just go through the gospel of John, 21 chapters. It's God's love story to us of what, again, I've, I've said this on a previous show, he sent, God sent his very best. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But here's the thing that I think shows the difference, and I, I'll, I'll do this out on the street when I'm witnessing, because uh, you know, they do believe in celestial glory, exaltation, eternal life, all synonymous terms, as Lynn has pointed out. And so I, I like to ask them, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what you believe the celestial kingdom is like, what the celestial glory? And you know what they'll say? Nine times out of 10, they'll start telling me about how wonderful it is. They'll be with their families forever. And they'll just keep going on and on about families. You know what I never hear? Jesus. I never, I never hear them saying they want to be with Jesus. Is he just chopped liver? I, I don't quite understand because they, they talk, a, they talk it up, you know, as far as, oh yeah, his grace, his atonement and all these things that get me to the place where I can make this choice and I can actually keep the commandments, which you can't do. Uh, DNC 25, 15 says, keep the commandments of God continually. And unless you do where I am, you cannot go. So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty heavy statement, but the Jesus is not the same. And when you look at, and I think you're right, when you look at the appeal that the Bible has, as far as the Jesus that we believe in, he, he, see, this is a, our faith is a faith that is so different from every other religion. All the religions of the world, including Mormonism, say this, what must we do for God? And Christianity says, what did God do for us? You know, yeah. and, and it makes us want to do the right thing. But I, I think uh, understanding who the true Jesus is, it just changes your countenance. Talk to people who are former Mormons like yourself, Lynn. I mean, you, you, you know how you used to believe when you were a Latter-day Saint and the angst you had and now the freedom you have. It's an amazing transformation. And I know many former Latter-day Saints who would not give up their Christianity for anything. They would never go back to Mormonism because it offered no hope. It had no ability to have a relationship with Jesus. Mm, true. Yeah. And this Jesus is the one who provides the remedy for the sin that LDS people need to repent of constantly. He's the one who provides the answer, the antidote to what it is that's keeping us separated from God the Father, which is our sin. And he does that through justification. Yes. And that was the other place we kind of wanted to go because I know yeah. in your book, you really want to help Christians explain these concepts to Mormon people, because once again, 
Mormons will use the word justification. They'll use the word sanctification. They'll use the word atonement. They'll use redemption, but they don't mean the same things. Um, right. Yeah, you're right. And, and one of the things that I do in my book is I, I'm not just writing this book on my own. I am citing left and right dozens and dozens of different Christian authors, thinkers, scholars. I want to lay out all of the ideas. And, and I quote the Bible. I, I haven't counted. I probably have 500 plus quotes that I give straight out of the Bible. I want to be able to explain justification, uh, the idea that we can have a, a uh, direct relationship based not on what we do, but based on faith alone. The Bible teaches that in Romans 3.28, we're justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, what is Mormonism but works of the law, things that you have to do and, and have to be able to be successful at. So justification, there are a number of words that come with that, grace and mercy and imputation that I brought out. Uh, these different terms that we can, we they all go together to help us understand that it's by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, lest any man should boast. And Latter-day Saints, when I cite that, and I love citing Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, because I think it's so powerful, and immediately they want to go over to James 2.20. James yes. 2.20, mm -hmm. faith without works is dead. And so they, they say, well, you know, what do you do with that? And I say, I completely agree with James. The idea that uh, our faith is going to produce good works. He's talking to people who said, well, I can just have faith only. I don't need works. You can't have just faith only and no works, and you can't just have works and no faith. They go together. They work together. Uh, I like to then quote out of Ephesians 2.10 uh, because I say, you know what? Ephesians 2.10 goes right along with what uh, James 2.20 says. Uh, uh, yes. Ephesians 2.10 mm -hmm. says, for we are God's workmanship, created by Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. I think what I wanted to do in the sanctification chapter is explain when you become a Christian, it's not a done deal that we, we uh, show our faith based on what we do then. If we really have a relationship, if as Romans chapter eight says that we have the Holy Spirit, he allows us to produce what are called fruits of the spirit. You know, Galatians chapter five, love and joy and peace, all these things that come, good works of taking care of our neighbor and all the good things. That's what uh, Paul says right after he gets done saying we're saved not by works. Then he goes on and says you were created to do good works. <laughs> we were created so, for good works. Yes, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. So for me, uh, I would say that um, I, I want to make it very clear the Christian gospel. And I think that a Christian should be able to explain the gospel in just two minutes. I've done it numbers of times out on the street to exp basically explain Romans 3.23, we're all sinners. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But I, there's a comma there, not a period. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so explaining that by receiving Jesus as our Savior, by accepting him into our life and allowing God to rule the Holy Spirit to come into our life, and he will come in through your faith, through the faith that he provides, that uh, then good works happen. But it's not like you have to keep track. Oh, have I done enough today? Did I keep all of the commandments? Yeah, we're going to mess up. Paul said we struggle with sin. And it's, it's a tough battle out there. But at the same time, it is so worthwhile to know. And that's what 1 John 5, 13 says. We may know that we have eternal life because of Jesus promising that he will come into us. He will, he will send his Holy Spirit. And, and then the good works that I do, I don't have this angst of, did I do enough today? But rather, 
man, I just love serving God and I might not always be successful. I might have a bad attitude sometimes. I might sin. I do need to repent of those things, but I don't have to think that somehow because I have uh, done everything that some churches told me to do, that, that, that then I have eternal life. And as I said earlier, a lot of Latter-day Saints have no, they have no assurance that if they were to die right now, they were going to go to the celestial kingdom. In fact, they'll, they'll admit they probably are headed to the ter- uh, terrestrial kingdom, the second kingdom. I'll say, yeah. well, if I died right now, where would I end up? You, you're a good person, they'll say. You know, you'd probably go where I would. You mean you do all of this and you work so hard and you are going to end up where I'm going to end up? And I mean, here I am drinking coffee and, and doing things that you're not supposed to do. And, and so I don't quite get why you think that uh, I'm going to get exactly what you're going to get. That's to yeah. me, what, what, kind of, what kind of faith is that all about? I don't believe that, uh, uh, I don't believe most Mormons when they understand what they're giving up and they're still not doing everything they're supposed to, uh, right. why, why they would not read their Bibles and just see what, what really it's all about. Yeah. And I think with that is this whole, um, what hopefully is absent from what's different. I shouldn't say absent. What's different from biblical Christianity is we are not under pressure to perform because the performance is done by Jesus. The whole right. reason he lived a perfect life, the whole reason he willed the will of the Father. I mean, he didn't just live a perfect life in that there's no sin. His very will was so submitted to the Father. He never at once even went against the Father's will, let it go, let let, it, let alone go against what the Father wanted of him. And so all that perfection, that complete perfection, and Lynn and I have talked about this in other episodes about when we talk about the old covenant and law keeping versus new covenant, mm-hmm. where it's been kept for us, it's all been performed for us. And that's what also gets imputed to us. We not only get the righteousness of Christ, we get his perfect performance imputed to us. So when we come before God, like you said, man, there's days we really mess it up. There's days our attitude is really crappy, but Hey, on my worst day, God can't love me any less because he loves me because of what Jesus did. And you know, on my best day, when I'm really crushing it, when I'm just like full of the spirit, um, God doesn't love me anymore because of that. Uh, Because that's not what the love is contingent on. And so I think, I know there's been times when I've been able to like kind of throw that out there to an LDS person I was talking to. You watch this thing happen where when they, understand what it is you're saying first there's almost like there's this disbelief that that could possibly be true but then there's almost like this hunger like i would really like that to be true because the performance the weight of performance is so heavy um and whether it's our justification or our sanctification it's it's not based on how well we're pulling off this christian life thing it's about our connection with jesus I think you said it so well, and I think uh, many Latter-day Saints want what we have. I think that's why you hear so many talks given, like, for instance, Jeffrey Holland, you get credit for trying, and a lot of Latter-day Saints latched (laughs) on to that. Oh, okay. All right, I'll keep trying, yeah. Yes, and the grace uh, and the – I always like to ask Latter-day Saints, well, if if you really believe in grace the way that I'm – saying it's true then it sounds like maybe you're coming closer to our way than us coming closer to yours because they seem to gravitate toward this idea that god loves me period not if you know and that's in mormonism it's all god loves me if if you want to get to the very best this religion has to offer you have to keep the commandments continually and if not 
He's going to send you to the terrestrial kingdom and he wants nothing to do with you. Yeah, he'll send Jesus down there, but he wants nothing to do with you. He doesn't want to know your name. That to me is a scary proposition when a Latter-day Saint admits that they're probably headed to the terrestrial and not the celestial kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We just have a few minutes. Did we not touch on resurrection? The resurrection, I put that chapter in there and I start the chapter off by saying Latter-day Saints do believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It's not going to be a um, a lot there that we would talk to a Latter-day Saint and try to convince them. And they're going to say, well, we believe that too. However, I put that chapter in there because this book is meant for us to talk to people who are thinking about leaving or who have already left. And okay. the cornerstone doctrine that we have according to paul in first corinthians chapter 15 is the resurrection that historically must be true or this whole religion is a sham and paul said we're the most pitied of all people now see the latter-day saint has the resurrection but he has two other historical events that have to be true in order for his religion to be true the first vision and the book of mormon and i think there are huge problems with those two uh but i don't think there's a problem with the first one i think the evidence is very clear, and that's what I try to do in this chapter is explain why the, the, the uh, resurrection is something that we can hold on to as a historical fact. If it happened, then there's something special about this person we call Jesus. But right. like everything else and the problem with words, talking to Mormons, I like to ask them, so what does that resurrection do for you? And mm -hmm. I think you're going to get a different answer when you ask that to a Mormon than you ask that to a Christian. That's a good point. Great question. Yeah. So that's where I always go. So tell me what that means to you, right? And that's that always a good question. That, what, is, what does that mean to you on mm -hmm. anything? trinity god just Grace. never tell a latter-day saint if if you get nothing out of this hour that or this half hour that we've talked about uh never tell a latter-day saint what he or she believes let yes. them tell you <laughs> and and they'll tell you and then you'll be able to work off of that rather than just create a straw man argument they might not believe it so let them tell you and that's i, I love your question lynn because what does the resurrection mean for you and they tell you and then you what can say, it do for you yes yeah <laughs> Sometimes they're like, I never thought that through. I don't really know. So let me ask you then, um, since you're, only, you're the only uh, former LDS person in this particular podcast episode, as a, as a Mormon, as a BYU prof, as someone who is totally vested, if a Christian would have said to you, so what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to you? What do you think you would have answered then as a faithful Latter-day Saint? As a faithful Latter-day Saint, I would have believed that all Jesus' resurrection did was allow me to stand at the white throne judgment to be judged for my works and to be assigned to one of the three kingdoms. Okay. So, so literally, all the resurrection does for me is give me that door so that my works will get me somewhere. So it gets you that physical resurrection from the dead so you get to actually be at the judgment because without that, you couldn't like go anywhere. But where you get assigned to go is totally dependent on you and what you've done within the LDS faith. That is how I would have seen it, yes. Wow. And that is, that is so different. So hopefully for our Christian, biblical Christian audience, um, we, we just want to encourage you to, as Eric has already said, ask lots of questions. And I agree with Eric. If you don't take anything else away from this particular episode or any of them is use your what i like to refer to as divinely redemptive curiosity to kind of lead the way into the conversation so as you're talking become curious 
to really know the LDS person and where they're at because they're going to be all over the board. That's yeah, if there's anything I've learned in the 30 plus years of ministry with LDS people is you can't make any assumptions about what any LDS person anywhere believes about anything. Um, and they're surprised at what's in their own scriptures when you point it out to them often. Right. Yeah. So, wow, Eric, this has been a rich series. Uh, thank you so much for introducing us to your book. Thank you for your heart for LDS people. Um, I'm so excited. So again, um, go ahead and tell us book website when it's coming out. So people yeah. can be looking for this. Well, I, I want to thank you, Joel and Lynn, for allowing me to be on the program. Thank you for having a radio show in Utah. That mm -hmm. is, I, I know people are listening to it. I listen to it. Uh, I, I, I don't purposely go there at a certain time, but I'm, I'm driving and I'm, I'm hearing you guys. So it's great to know that we have other ministries that are part of that. But the book is called Introducing Christianity to Mormons. Uh, the, the website is introducingchristianity.com. It's available for pre-sale. I have links on introducingchristianity.com that you can go to to buy the book, amazon.com, christianbook.com, and others, uh, available September 13th. I'm hoping that Christians will read this and not only just read it for themselves, but they'll have copies they can give away to people, like they've given away your book, uh, Lynn. I know so many people who become Christians because somebody handed them your book or Micah's book. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think we ought to be liberal in handing these books out. And those who are curious, Latter-day Saints, hopefully this will be a book that will uh, stir their curiosity about what Christianity really teaches. Thank you so much for being with us. We uh, respect your ministry. We've been longtime partners, actually official yes. partners and friends with both Institute for Religious Research and Mormonism Research Ministry. There aren't a lot of us who do this, no. and um, we all kind of like each other, work together. God's <laughs> this is given kind us of fun, yeah. Each a piece, and uh, we thank him for it. Yeah, thank you so much. God bless. Grace and peace to you, friends. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. <laughs>